What is up? And welcome to the Joe Kilgallen podcast. I'm Joe Kilgallen. How the hell are we feeling? I'm feeling great. Uh, this podcast is also known as Kilgallen's Pub because I like to talk about the type of shit you talk about in the pub with your friends. I had a great weekend. Was at Galway Bay Pub. Had several pints of Guinness. Shout out to my man Nolan at Galway Bay Pub, 500 West Diversity Parkway in Chicago, Illinois. If you're in the city, it's a must. It's an absolute fucking must. Love that place. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend, a great Thanksgiving weekend. You got to see the family a little bit, eat some turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy. I love my family. We had a great Thanksgiving. Um, and I want to start off with a little gratitude, of course. So I'm thankful for the Thanksgiving I had, but I'm also thankful for all of you, the listeners, all of my Patreon subscribers. You are all fantastic. I did post that blog about some of my favorite quotes from the poker table. Played a little poker last night. Got some more quotes I'm going to throw your way. Bunch of comedians playing poker. Some funny shit will be said. And and that's always the case week in and week out. And yeah, so thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. If you're curious, you could jump on board. Patreon.com slash Joe Kilgallen. There's all sorts of different tiers. Also to all the YouTube subscribers. Thank you. Thank you all very much for checking it out. You know, my YouTube channel is monetized. So any little bit of viewings help. You know what I mean? So if you want to spread the word there, highly appreciate this guy's end. And of course, uh, I was going to say like TikTok followers too. Uh, thanks to everyone. You guys are the shit. All right. Um, also, thanks to the Laugh Factory in Chicago. Holy fuck, man. I did two amazing shows there on Saturday night. And then I did one last night, Tuesday night. I'm recording this Wednesday night. You're listening to this on a Thursday, perhaps, or watching it. And damn it, dude. The Tuesday night show was the best. That's right. Compared to two I did on Saturday. The two on Saturday were still awesome. But the Tuesday. My God, I don't know what these people are doing to get such a great crowd out. So shout out to Curtis at the Laugh Factory and the whole staff. Everyone there is amazing. And the people, all the people in the crowd, you know what it is? Some of you thinking to yourself, that's that's crazy. Why would a Tuesday night crowd be better than a Saturday night crowd? Well, let me tell you why. People who go out on Tuesdays to get a couple drinks in them, some cocktails, you know, get a nice little buzz going on a weekday, they are way fucking cooler than people who go out on a Saturday evening. Now, I know, I know everyone's got different jobs and their schedules or whatever, so I don't mean everybody, but the average person who goes on a sa- goes out on a Saturday, they're often going out because they feel like they have to. They feel like they need to, you know, not even a need, because the need's a little different feeling, but they feel like, I see it with the audiences, you know, that they, they were still really awesome on Saturday, but Tuesday was just next level. They were ready to go from Jump Street. They went with every joke. They were loose. They were fun. As a comedian, you could talk with them a little bit. And they were like, they went with it. They were so cool. Because again, these are the people who go out on Tuesday nights. They're a cooler breed. Again, that Saturday night person might be like, you know, I don't, so tired. I had a hard week at work. And I just really wanted to like chill in this weekend. But you know, you only live once, YOLO, and that bullshit. And then, you know, their friend gets them a ticket they didn't realize, so then they get dragged to it. There's dinner before. Just, it's a lot of shit, and I get it. You know what I mean? I've worked nine to fives, and there are times where you don't want to do anything that's slightly complicated. But also, just get your head out of your fucking ass sometimes. I really do think there's something about the nine to five mentality that breaks people. Because I think people look around, they're like, you know, they're in traffic on the way to work, traffic on the way home, and they're just like, I was not meant for this. You know, I know there's millions of philosophers and musicians and all sorts of influential people 
who have said over the years, like that's human beings were meant to do that, that rat race, getting in your car with a thousand other cars, all driving in the same direction, getting in a fucking cubicle, all that kind of stuff. Now, look, you do what you can to survive. And if you have a nine to five that you enjoy, then ignore everything I'm saying and ignore everything everyone else is saying. But I definitely think there's something about doing those jobs where you think what's what you're supposed to do. So much of like human life and especially American life, we're like programmed for shit. I ran into a buddy not that long ago and I had a flashback to a conversation him and I had like, I don't know, a long time ago. And I remember him being like, cause he was, he just turned 26 and he said, you know, when I was younger, I always thought I'd be married by 25 have a kid by 26. I figured I'd have three kids by 30. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that's weird, dude. You had your whole, you were planning your fucking life out. And too many people plan their life out. They think, all right, I did, I did well in high school. I went to college. I, I did good there. I got my degree. Now I get a job at whatever office thing, you know, you, you get your 401k, you get this I, Roth IRA set up. You get, you know, I get all my ducks in a row. I find the right gal. I get the suburban home. I get, you know, they got the dog in the yard. And look, that's all well and good if that's what you like. If that turns you on, who the fuck am I to judge? Who the fuck is anyone to judge? But I feel like a lot of us need to look at that and be like, is that what I want? Truly want? Or is that what I think I'm supposed to do? Often with some of these comedy club audiences, you'll see where it's like, do you really want to be here or do you just feel like you were supposed to go out? And again, I, I feel like I, I, there wasn't the whole Saturday crowd. Most of the Saturday crowd is good, but they're just some people. Because again, the Tuesday crowd, they don't hear a trigger word and go, hmm, let me cross my fucking arms. That's the thing. Like the Saturday people, man, they, there were some jokes. I, 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 there were several comedians, not just me. I, me and a couple other comedians did the sa Saturday and we were also on the Tuesday at Laugh Factory. And we are looking at each other like, this fucking Tuesday crowd is amazing. We told the same exact jokes on Saturday and they did pretty well, but there was always a little bit of hesitation because look, sometimes the subject matter is edgy, whatever the fuck that means these days. A lot of things are considered edgy where it's like, this isn't fucking edgy. Are you kidding me right now? And, uh, and the Tuesday crowd just went right with it. They didn't even bat their eye. They had trust in the comedian. They weren't suspicious of us thinking, Ooh, he's starting to talk about this. It's like, there'll be comedians who will bring up the topic of race and you'll see the audience get all weird. And I'm like, where the fuck do you think he's going with this? You think he's just going to start dropping the N-word? Are you not paying attention to society? He's probably going to say some shit that you most likely are going to agree with or is mild at best in terms of like, that was offensive. Like, you know, just, I don't know why everyone who's listening to this is cool as fuck. I feel like most of the audience on YouTube, especially like people who watch comedy on YouTube are real, I think are fucking really cool. Not everybody, but for the most part. So yeah, it's just something to think about. You know, the nine to five structure. And I think less and less jobs are doing that. I'm hearing more and more jobs coming back from the pandemic are like, oh, we don't need these offices. People are just as productive from home, which is great. Yeah, you know, change that up a little bit. Give people a little more fucking soul back to them. Because, yeah, that whole, it's not fucking healthy. Like, like you know, I was talking about my friend who's planning out his life by 25 this, by this. I'm like, dude, you, you die at the end, you know. <laughs> like, why the fuck are you trying to get to the back of the book so quickly? Chill. Enjoy yourselves. Especially if you're someone out there, if you're not married, and even if you are married, but if you don't have kids or like real responsibility, because raising kids is a real responsibility that you shouldn't take lightly. Go out on a fucking Tuesday. Are you going to show up tired to work one time on a Wednesday? Fuck off. Just do it. Do yourself the favor. You're never going to look back and be like, oh, I wish I would have stayed in more. No one says that shit. Nobody would ever have that response.
So get the fuck out there. Make some mistakes. Have whiskey on a Tuesday. It's a lot cheaper than on a Friday. Get your fucking dick wet. Get your pussy pounded. Where am I going with this? I don't know. I was trying to make it fun for all ages. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the message up top. But yeah, man, I remember thinking to myself, one of the luckiest things about not working in the nine to five world. Um, and again, if you like that, that's great. But is the fact that I could drink whiskey on a Tuesday. I like that whiskey on a Tuesday. It sounds like a country album, right? And uh, and you don't really have a weekend. The whole thing with the weekend is it's the end of a hard week and you look forward to it. You look forward to the weekend. When you don't work a Monday through Friday gig, you know, and working on the week, working on Saturdays and Sundays can suck sometimes because you miss out on stuff that the rest of society is doing, like, you know, watching football or whatever. And uh, when you don't have a weekend, though, like every every day is great. I feel like, you know, you're not like, oh, I'm looking for, I can't wait till Friday. Like, what was real special about Friday? I'm going to get drunk on Friday. I got drunk last night. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not like those two days. We don't have to just pigeonhole ourselves to that world, you know? So that's something to think about right there. Yeah, I do hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I had a great, I've had a great week. I'm rolling right now. I am rolling. Poker was fun last night. Won some money, played strong, played some strong hands. Uh, didn't really make too many mistakes and, uh, yeah, solid evening. Although dude, if, if any electricians are out there, you guys need to help me out because we're, we've been playing in my garage. We got a bunch of like heaters and stuff, portable ones and shit. And they totally shorted the fucking garage. So all the power went out in my garage was last night. Then we had to gather up all the shit. We went to my buddy, this comedian, Greg uh, Bartusiak. What up, Greg? We went to his garage, set up the power there, and fucking did the same shit. We should have thought, like, maybe it's this combination, you know? Maybe we shouldn't be doing it this way, and it shorted everything. So that that was a real bummer. And, uh, and then we luckily just went into his basement like, like human beings. We don't need to be garage dwellers. But a lot of my friends like to smoke, so they dig they dig being in, in the garage. You know, you can't, you can't be puffing smoke weed smoke, cigarette smoke, or whatever in someone's basement. It just feels a little wrong. All right, then. Uh, the Beatles documentary. I just got a text from my younger brother about the Beatles documentary. It's called Get Back. It's on Disney Plus right now, everyone. Now, look, if you're not into watching the creative process, it's going to be kind of boring for you. And if you're not a Beatles fan, it might be. Um, I was digging it. I'm a Beatles fan. You know, I got into the Beatles when I was a little kid with my dad but then i you know i lost track of the beatles through my teen years and stuff it was like one of those things where when they came up you'd be like oh yeah the beatles who's all of the beatles and one of my favorite lines in any movie is in the movie super bad when jonah hill is telling michael sarah's character about all the guys this one girl that they were into used to date it's like you ever seen the guys that chick that used to date like the one guy he looks exactly like zach morris uh tommy something or other this dude's had a six-pack since kindergarten and michael blah 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 have you ever looked into his eyes? It's like the first time I heard the Beatles. Like that line in Superbad, it was like the first time I heard the Beatles. That's hilarious. And a true thing. I think everyone kind of, the Beatles did have this special thing. I know some people have it in their personality. Be like, fuck the Beatles, overrated. And it's like, all right, Tommy Toughnuts over here. He's a cool guy. Cool guy, everyone. We got a cool guy alert. This guy doesn't like the Beatles. He's fucking cool. What, what, what other conventionally adored things do you hate? If you think Christmas is dumb too, what else you got? God, those people annoy the shit out of me. They do. Because look, and look, and if it's one thing, if you legitimately don't like them, but if you go out of your way to shit out them, shit on them whenever you get the chance, it's just weak. It's a weak mentality to have to take the thing that everyone else loves and go out of your way to be like, oh, it's garbage. It's fucking terrible. What else do you people enjoy? Pizza? That stuff sucks. 
Oh, grease and sauce and cheese. Boo. Like, I mean, I mean, it's just jerk off more, man. You'll be happier. All right. So the documentary is, it's, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but if you're into the creative process, it's cool because it shows them they went in the studio and just started writing songs in the studio. So they were really working them out and it's cool in the regard to be like, I know how this song ends up and you'll hear like Paul working out the lyrics to get back. And he's like, should I say this? And John's like, well, you know, George is kind of throwing his two cents. Although Paul and George did not get along during that time period at all. So a lot of it's like the question of who broke up the Beatles. So you kind of get a little sense of what happened in there, um, which I'll get to in a second. But while Paul's trying to figure out the lyrics, you know the lyrics. He was trying to get the lyrics where it's like, um, uh, how's it? Get? JoJo was a something. Oh, from Tucson, Arizona. He left his home in Tucson, Arizona, looking for some California grass. Get back. I can't sing, but you know, and uh, he, he's struggling to get to the California grass part. And you're watching like, dude, it's fucking right there. California grass. But then you realize, oh, wait, you know, in hindsight, of course, I know what it is now. And I'm talking to someone fucking 60 years ago or some shit. When was it? 1969. So, yeah, 51 years ago. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot, little different on your end. It's like when you watch a scary movie and you're like, it's behind you, fuckhead. And then, yeah, so except for this is real life, not scripted. And uh, yeah, so it was really cool there. But as far as like what end up, because this was like this whole sessions, the get back sessions, that's why it's called get back. It turned out to be what ended up being the Let It Be album, which came out after Abbey Road. So they kind of like were pissed off during all this. At the end, there was some anger and they did this cool rooftop concert where they seemed to enjoy themselves there. And and then they took a break and all sorts of stuff happened. I think John Lennon got into a car accident. Ringo did a movie. Then they came back and reconvened and came up with Abbey Road, which I guess the recordings for that were just like fine. But the problems with the Beatles started with the White Album. It was a double album. And Brian Epstein, who was their manager, died at the end of 1967. In 67, they did Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Club Band record, which was insane at the time, you know, um, first concept album people credited for and just super influential and they did the magical mystery tour album and like little movie thing so and then he, epstein their manager who they were all very close with dies is in a car accident and they kind of were like lead, they didn't have a leader and you know john was doing some drugs at the time and george was really finding himself spiritually uh they, they went to india to do a lot of, you know george harrison got really into indian culture and then so paul kind of stepped up as the leader which was like great at the time. I think they were a little appreciative of it, but then they didn't really like the way Paul was doing things, you know, and Paul was a workhorse and he wanted to be in the studio all the time because they did stop touring in 66. And the reason they stopped touring is because they couldn't hear themselves. That's the, how crazy Beatlemania was. They would take the stage and it was just women screaming and passing out for an hour and a half. And there would be times where they're looking at each other like, what song are we supposed to be playing? I can't fucking hear my own guitar. I can't hear myself sing. And it just got to the point where it's like, this is awful. Um, and when you can't even blame them for that, really. Anyway, I don't want to get I don't want to get too into the Beatles here, but I think and everyone always wants to know why they broke up. And looking back, who gives a shit? They ended up all being friends with each other. I guess George and Paul still kind of had a, a back and forth relationship throughout everything. And you know, it gets sad when there was some legal stuff involved about who's getting what and the partnership being dissolved and all sorts of stuff like that. Because that was the thing too, without Brian Epstein, they're like, well, who's gonna be our manager? And Paul wanted his new girlfriend slash wife's family because they were attorneys and John, George, and Ringo wanted the Rolling Stones manager to also manage him because they liked him a lot. A guy named Alan Klein. It's a lot of back and forth. But I think the biggest thing was, and could have kept the Beatles going, 
take a fucking break, boys. Take a break. I mean, they put out 12 albums in like a seven-year period. Seven, yeah, seven or eight-year period, I think. Which is just, it's, it's not enough. It was like, you could have taken, they should have all just said after Epstein died, like, we need to rethink everything here. Let's take the year off. Let's let's get a little perspective on some stuff. We've been in this whirlwind of, you know, the, the craziness of Beatlemania and just we're the most famous people on the planet. There's, and it's true. At that point, there was no one in the history of the world more famous than the Beatles. I mean, I'm not I'm talking about celebrity. Obviously, you could say like Jesus, George Washington, people knew their names more or whatever. But I'm talking about as, like, as far as like celebrity entertainers, the Beatles were, they became bigger than Elvis. And, you know, I, I just can't, I look at the their discography where it shows like all the things and the White Elm was, it was all right. Like you look at it, two albums a year they were doing. And the White Elm was a double album where they were all not getting along. That was 68. January of 69, you're going to go right back in for this Get Back project where they're going to come up with all this in a month and then have a big concert somewhere. Their first live show in a while. And I, I like Paul's ambition and all that. And I think he thought that'll keep us together after what happened in with the White Album 68 and all that. I don't know. If you're not a Beatles fan, this is probably really boring for you. Check it out. It's worth a look. Now, right now I want to get into this, though. There is a story that came to my attention. There's a man, um, an exonerated Missouri man, who was released from prison after spending 43 years behind bars for a crime he didn't commit. That to me just always makes me sick. And it happens. I feel like it happens enough where I've really changed my stance on the death penalty because of it. There have been people who were executed by the government and it turns out, oh shit, he didn't do it. Like how fucking depressing is that? I know I'm going to take a weird turn here, but picture that you get thrown in jail for a crime you did not do. And the whole time you're like, I'm fucking innocent. I'm fucking innocent. I didn't do this shit. Well, I'm innocent. Please, please, please. I beg of you. I, I, it wasn't me. Oh, tell it to the judge. I did. He put me here. Oh, well, tell it to God. I, I'm starting not believing him, obviously, because I'm fucking here. But, you know, oh, you're just like so. And you're and and then the days turn to weeks, to months, to years. And the whole time you're just like, I didn't do this. Then they put you on death row. And your last thought was, this was my life. Wrong place, wrong time. And I it's so depressing to think about. I'm mad I did that to you guys as the listeners. I shouldn't have put it out there because it sounds horrible. And this gets story gets worse to me. The exonerated exonerated, sorry, I'm getting jazzed up here, so I'm speaking terribly. Was released from prison after 43 years. And get this, he's not eligible for compensation from the state because he didn't get released off of DNA evidence. Strickland was exonerated, exonerated, that word's dumb, uh, without DNA evidence, which disqualified him from compensation from the state under Missouri law. Well, guess what, Missouri? That's a dumbass law. That's dumb. So there was enough evidence for whatever reason that they were like, yeah, yeah, you're free, our bad. And then he's like, how about a little coin for stealing 43 years of my life? 43 years, that's prime living right there you're not going to throw me some money you're not going to oh my god imagine well i'm trying to think to myself what would i demand after getting released from prison for 43 years for a crime i didn't commit you know what i would demand i would be like hey how about 
my dick's never not being sucked, number one. How about so much money I'm wiping my ass with it? How about, but the thing is, you're also been inside for 43 years, so you don't know what to know. You're like, I want one of those big ass TVs, the kind that if it falls on a cat, it murders it. I want like, you're going to be asking for all the stuff that was like a big deal in like what the late seventies or something and or early eighties. So yeah, that's a strange. You're going to be like, I want MTV. I want cable. And that's a lot of that stuff. People, that's real cheap, man. We, we got you, we got you hooked up there. It's like, I want a members only jacket and I want a date with Cindy Lauper. Like you're going to, you're going to ask for a lot of things where, but I could, <sighs> Jesus, man. You, you, it better be, I want free food. I want the best food. I want the best everything because I'm going to make up for the 43 years you took from me. And here the state of Missouri is like, well, we didn't uh, exonerate you because uh, of DNA evidence. We didn't need DNA evidence. And our law says if it's DNA evidence, well, then we can throw you a couple bucks. And uh, welcome to Missouri. We're awful. Um, I'm not saying the people of Missouri are awful. I'm saying that your fucking government is, and that's a shitty ass state law. Thankfully, this is where people are pretty good, and hopefully the money keeps coming up. As of just recently, uh, yeah, as of last, this is just, a, yeah, as of Saturday, November 27th, uh, he has a GoFundMe in which he's got up to $1.4 million. Yeah, it was this 1978 triple murder. So, yeah, I'll give you a little more information about it. The attorney representing Strickland, the man's name is Strickland, um, told the Washington Post on Friday that individuals from around the globe have sought to aid her client. Strickland does not have retirement savings or work history to obtain Social Security benefits. You'd think they'd make an, ex- an exception. You'd think they'd be like, hey, we know you weren't in the workforce for you know the last four decades and change. Um, we'll, we'll let you get some Social Security, though. We'll let you draw on it. Let's pretend you would have made this much money. I mean, my God. Just where's the humanity? Where the fuck is the humanity? Where's the compassion? The, whatever senators in Missouri, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. You should be stepping up being like, okay, well, we just did a horrible thing. 43 years of this man's life for a crime he didn't commit. Um, How about we give him a lot, a lot of money? And we just ignore the stupid ass rules that were put in place. Imagine telling some, imagine being the person. So he goes to the social security office and then they go, oh, sorry, Mr. Strickland, you didn't work a job. So you don't get any of this. You'd be like, what can I get? What can I get? Well, you don't qualify for anything. So I don't know. Go lay in the street. Like, imagine me turn him away. It's crazy. It really is. Strickland doesn't, again, doesn't have retirement savings, social security, um, as a, as a result of the wrongful conviction and Missouri only permits compensation from the state. If an individual's innocence is proven as a result of DNA testing, here's a quote. It's a very small minority of people who received that Bushnell told the report. The vast majority of folks who are exonerated are exonerated through non DNA evidence. And the vast majority of crimes do not involve DNA at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good point. There's a lot of crimes committed where you're not dripping blood and spilling semen as you're running away from the thing. You know, it's dumb. This Missouri law that they, some piece of shit out there for whatever reason because they're they're probably those people who are like well maybe you didn't do the crime but you were clearly hanging out with some people you shouldn't and that's why you were arrested like those types of people and so they came up with these laws where even when these people are later proven to be innocent they're still the state still doesn't want to cough up any change oh not our fault sorry you were in prison for 43 years sorry we screwed you up but not on us. Yeah. Hey, we got to save some money on our end. It's just despicable. I mean, this makes me absolutely sick. The dude's 62. 
So that means he was put away. I'm terrible at math. 62 minus 43, 19. He was 19 years old, right? Yeah, 43 plus 20 be 60. Yeah, 19. My God. Imagine being missing your 20s and 30s. This dude would have been in his 20s and the 80s. That would have been a fun scene for him. You know, a lot of fun things going on, right? Hair metal and other dance stuff. Michael Jackson, Prince. Fuck, man. Poor guy. I don't even know where he's from. He's from Missouri. Maybe he was a Cardinals fan. They won the World Series in 82. Hopefully he's not a Cardinals fan, though. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, yeah, despite family members presenting alibis, Strickland, along with uh, one of the admitted killers, stating that Strickland was not at the scene when the three victims, these, I don't need to name their names. They're all dead now. Sorry about that. They died a long time ago. Um, he was still convicted. They just, you know. So the guy who did do the killing was like, I don't know who this fucking dude is. And they're like, mm, too bad. He was there. We believe it. I just think if you're going to be that horrible, it, 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 this guy should be able to do Scrooge McDuck dives into gold the rest of his life, be on whatever beach you want, season tickets, every Super Bowl. He should be able to go to every Super Bowl, all March Madnesses, concerts. I mean, whatever he wants. He should have a special card. If you end up in jail, for especially for 43 years for a crime you did not commit, the government should give you a special card in which anywhere you go, you show the card and you get free things. You know, you want to go to a big Metallica concert, you show up, they're like, do you have a ticket, sir? I got this card. Oh, right away. We are so sorry. You know what? We're going to get you. We're going to get you the best seats. Sweet. You want a suite? That's what it should be like. You should show up to the airport. You got a ticket? No, I got this. Oh, first class. Like, that's what it should be. That should be the card for so sorry. We took 43 years of your life from you. Unbelievable that the state of Missouri and even the federal government isn't stepping in to actually take care of this guy. Cause again, he's 62 and I'm glad GoFundMe's raised him over a million dollars or so. Um, but it's not enough. It's just not enough. No. What's that famous quote at the end of, uh, not the end, but from Iron Man's dad and Avengers Endgame: no amount of money ever bought a single morsel of time or something like that. It's true. Time is the most valuable currency and they robbed this guy of a billion. You know, I'm not saying he would have made a billion dollars in that 43 years. I'm saying that's what your time is worth. It re- it's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy to me. All right. Uh, let's switch gears here real quickly with you guys. Um, I'm a Cubs fan. The Cubs signed Marcus Stroman, so I'm pretty jazzed about that still. If you uh, followed me for Cubs stuff, I've been using the True Blue Cubs, at True Blue Cubs Twitter account to post some Cubs videos and stuff like that. I don't know if I could do a Cubs podcast. I have a feeling my contract with Lockdown Cubs, which ended fine. I, I ended it. I I just did. Life was different. I couldn't commit to a five-day-a-week podcast. Not that money. And uh, I'm a stand-up comedian, and that's what I want to do. And that's what my main focus is, is being the best comedian I could possibly be. And some other cool little projects I have in my mind. And to do five days a week was tough. It really was tough. And uh, so, yeah. So there's no hard feelings there. But I do think I might have had a no- I can't do another podcast for a year because I think the whole thing is, well, you'll steal all the listeners you had from your other one. And that's it's like no compete clause. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll start a little side thing on the Patreon and the Patreon subscribers who already like me. You don't have to listen to it if you're not a Cubs fan. We'll figure that out. I want to mention this. Uh, a great listener brought up about, I think I made a reference to like Victoria's Secret Models and about how you know there's more beauty than just Victoria's Secret Models. And of course, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I, I 100% agree with that. I've always said that one of the reasons is when people people first came down on Instagram models, I'm like, I love Instagram models because they're like organic models. 
these were women who just took pictures of themselves. Yeah, they might use some filters and airbrush here or there, and the pictures are, you know, touched up, some of them. Um, so that, that part I don't like because it's not real, it's not natural, and it's putting out a mixed message. But what I do like about them is they just put their pictures out there, and everyone else, people were like, oh, you're beautiful, I'm going to follow you. And they said so they built up their followings. Where Victoria's Secret models and other models, who decides that they're the hottest women or the beautiful or what you know, sexy, whatever the label you want to put on it. Who does who, who right? It they're a bunch of what 12 fat cats in some Manhattan and Miami offices. They get to decide what's who the hottest people are. See, I don't, never like that about different industries, music industry, comedy industry. You, when you think about it, who gets these Comedy Central specials, these Netflix specials, these writing gigs, all this other stuff? Who, you know, there's gatekeepers to this stuff. And look, I'm not knocking the whole system with it, but it's a lot of i've seen comedians kill in front of 500 people and then they don't get like a festival because one person didn't like them but then that one person likes a comic that would eat their ass in front of 500 people see it's one it's tastes it's who, what's your taste so i really do believe beauty's in the eye of the beholder and you if whatever your body type is see the whole thing with fat shaming and all that is bad because you should love your body and people shouldn't make you feel bad about your body now if there's health concerns and all that stuff and if you're someone out there who's like i'd like to lose some weight yeah take the advice and, and work at it. there's nothing wrong with that it was weird when lizzo lost a bunch of weight and people were like, oh what the fuck what? people got mad at her because she was like the champion of body positivity and i'm like yeah she's still body positive she still loves her body. She loved her body when it was bigger and she loves it now that it's a little small. It is. I don't know if little, I haven't seen a picture of her lately, but you know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm trying to picture how, I don't know how much weight she lost. I just read this. Anyhow, um, she loves her body either way. That's the point. Love your body either way. If you're truly happy with yourself and you love yourself, which is a hard thing. A lot of us are working on it all the time. You won't get upset by other people's standards and definitions of who is and what is beautiful and all that. You'll be like, okay, that's what they like. I have a difference of opinion. And it's hard to do. It's hard. It is. You know, everything's always in our face these days, right? It's We're all addicted to our phones. We're all on social media constantly. You know, advertisements everywhere. This is what a woman's body should be. It's what the male body should be too. I see six packs all the time and I'm like, <laughs> that's probably never going to happen for me again. And which I don't even know if I want one. I do want to slim down a little, but only because of my own comfort. You know, I'll talk about how I need to lose some weight and some people around me, but like, shut the fuck up. You're thin. And I'm like, look, it's not about looks. It's about my own comfort. You know what I mean? I, I, I feel uncomfortable. I'll be honest with you guys. My rib cage goes in a little bit and I'm getting these love handles on the side. And when I sit a certain way, my ribs dig into the, my side and it fucking blows. Right. So, so it's not about, it's not vanity. It's uh, it's comfort. And yeah. So at the end of the day, if you love yourself and focus on that, I think everything else just falls into place. But yes, 100%. I agree. With the the point that was pointed out to me, you know, it's there's beauty comes in all different shapes and sizes, and it's not just Victoria's Secret models. And I, and I 100% agree with that. I've never been a guy that has a type. Um, I do. I've, I've seen beautiful women who are five one, and you know, whatever the terms. I don't know. And I've seen ones who are six one, and I've seen you know, big, small. I like them all. And he, I just went for the rhyme there, but it's true. I I don't get dudes. Or women or whoever, non-binary, whatever the fuck, whatever it is, that have a type. Oh, I like this and this. But in the, in the same regard, you're allowed to. People are allowed to have tastes. They're allowed to like what they like. You know, you're you could be into that. You could, you know, you it's it would be weird if someone would be like, um, 
oh, you know, I know women who don't like short guys. I can't go up to them and say, how dare you? I could also, I could say, hey, don't, you know, they can't help being short. Don't discriminate against short guys. But, you know, you like what you like. Um, those same women, though, can't be mad at men who are also superficial over shit like that. These are just things to think about, right? All right, that's been the podcast, everybody. You know what? Send me some messages. You want to direct message me? Um, I think those are open on Twitter or on Instagram or Facebook, whichever one. Um, let me know how you guys have been liking these half-hour episodes. I've changed the format of the Joe Kilgallen podcast to 30-minute episodes and just, just me. You know, and I think I might bring guests back here or there. I'm not ruling out guests in the future, but I've really been enjoying this. I really think the episodes have been fun and tighter and just half an hour checking in with you guys. How's it going? You know, maybe I'll expand to two half hour ones, do a half an hour one on a Monday, half an hour one on the Thursdays. I've been doing Thursdays and and keep them loose, you know, and uh, and then every now and then have a guest on for certain things. But overall, I'm liking them. I hope you're enjoying them too. If you're not, feel free to be like, not into it because I'll, I'll be a little honest with you. The number, the numbers on YouTube have been all right. Um, as far as full episodes go, because for a while my standup on YouTube was what people really came for in the podcast clips and episodes were just, yeah, some people liked them. Um, but the, the listenership has been down a little bit, which is slightly a bummer for me because whenever I'm done recording, I feel really good. Like the, especially the last like three or four episodes when I hit stop recording, I go, Yeah. Fuck yeah, that was fun. That was good. I like that. So I don't know if it's just I'm not getting the word out as often as I was before or or what have you. Um, so yeah, just thank you everyone for listening. Really appreciate the support. Um, I'm I'm open for feedback. Okay. Um, you could criticize it and I won't take it harshly. I might wish you were fucking dead. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm a comedian also. So you gotta remember, um, even though I touch on some serious stuff, my goal is for this to be fun and funny. You know, even though I'm talking about people who've been in jail for 43 years for crimes they couldn't commit. Why'd you bring it up again, Joe? We already depressed everyone with it. All right. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening to the Joe Kilgallen podcast. Cheers to you and yours. Later.